We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. This podcast is part of the Bomb Pod Media Network. They're staying in the shadows. It's called probing. Make sure things are all clear. Clear for what? For the rest of the world. You guys hear that? everybody you are listening to the confessionals a proud partner of the bomb pod media network and a proud featured show on blogtalkradio.com i am your host tony merkel and if you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show go ahead and shoot me an email my email address is the confessionals podcast at gmail.com that's the confessionals podcast at gmail.com or you can go to the website the confessionals podcast.com hit the connection section and you can reach me that way as well now this week's iTunes shoutouts is Irish Shame 78, Running 1K Nut, TR1234567880, Italy 60, K Copaz, Bastiat Fan, Still Getting Calls, Iron Isles, and the only PJ. Thank you very much for everybody who goes to iTunes, leaves a rating and review. And if you want to get a shout-out on next week's show, go ahead and do just that on iTunes. Leave a rating and review. And this week's Patreon shout-outs is David F., who upgraded from the squad to the groupies. And we have Sam M. rounding it off. Thank you very much for everybody who goes to Patreon and becomes a patron. It supports the show, and I really appreciate it a ton. If you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash the confessionals and there you can see all the different rewards we offer for people who want to become patrons and support the show i greatly appreciate it guys so thank you very much now this week we have mark coming on and mark shares some haunting details of things that he has experienced in a previous house he lived in with an ex-wife and their children so without any further delay let's bring on mark right after this Okay, tonight I have Mark coming on, and Mark emailed me with some stories from a house that he lived in with his previous wife and children. Mark, how you doing, man? I'm good. Thank you, Tony. Good, good. So I know you're in a hotel right now working and doing your thing, and I really appreciate you coming on and talking with me. Uh, I imagine you're probably bored anyway, so I'm good to, I'm good to fill that time up anyway, so... Uh, yeah, what are you what are you gonna do in a hotel in Fargo, North Dakota? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, but I'm really glad we're talking tonight. I know we got this email here that you sent me, which I found really interesting. Uh, so, why don't you just kind of set the scene here as to what happened with the house and what led up to this whole thing? Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I will. I mean, I'll try to stay concise with it. There's a sort of when I recount this in my mind, it sort of. I bounce around a little bit and I'll, I'll try not to do that. But what it boils down to is it was about 22 years ago. So like in the mid nineties, 
my wife at the time and I had been married for a few years. Uh, we had my son was about two years old or three years old at the time, and we had kind of gone through some, you know, problems. We're not happy and things aren't going well for us. And so like a lot of couples, we decided maybe we should move and that'll make our marriage better. So we did. And that's how we wound up moving. There was no reason to move other than that. We found a nice little house um, in a, you know, in kind of an older part of town. The house was built. It's unremarkable. It was built probably during the World War II era, mid-40s, somewhere in there, early 40s. Um, every house on the block looked just like it. There was nothing remarkable about it. Um, so we lived there for probably, I don't know, maybe a year. And I sort of had this sense every now and again that something else was there with us. But, you know, that's just the new house and you don't know, well, it's, whatever, it's dark in the basement, it's shadowy, you don't know the nooks and crannies yet, but that kind of continued on for a while, uh, where it just seemed like there was something else around once in a while, until finally, one day, I was walking down the steps into the basement, and the basement was finished, we had a the fireplace in the living room down there, there was a little family room, an extra bedroom and the laundry and so on. So it was a common part of the house. It wasn't a cellar. It wasn't a storage area. It was a common part of the house. And I was walking down the steps and I felt as though I'd been pushed. I missed about three or four steps, fell. Of course, I kind of shouted. My wife said, you know, what's going on or whatever. And I said, I, I think I just, I fell. I think it was pushed. And we kind of brushed it off. That can't be. It must have just fell. Whatever. Sometime later, weeks, months later, weeks later, I was walking down to the basement again. And this time when I turned the corner into the room that had a fireplace and couch and kind of a living room area, I saw the feet or legs of what I thought were two children sitting in the window well of the, of the basement window. So here I go bouncing around a little bit, describe that basement. It's a basement of a house built in the forties. It doesn't have great big windows. It's not a walkout. It has what are called casement windows. They're if you're not familiar with that. They're 12 or 15 inches high and maybe a couple of feet wide, but they're placed really high in the basement wall so you don't look out them they provide a little bit of light that's it so the window sill was about at my head level so when i say i saw feet and legs that's all i saw it was as if someone were sitting up in that window sill but only their legs were ha- were down into the room does that make sense yeah absolutely okay so it appeared to be two small kids and their feet were sort of kicking like little kids do and their feet don't touch the ground and they're sitting on something. And I thought, well, what in the world was that? And boom, it was gone. Didn't see it again. I don't know what that was. I can't explain that. So things like this sort of happen from time to time where you hear something or you sense something or you're pretty sure you shut that light off. Well, whatever. And then after about a year of living in this house, the problems that sort of caused us to think we needed to move were reignited. So we were not getting along. It was dissatisfied. We're too young people, too young to be married. All the problems that young couples have and moving into this new house did not fix any of them. And now we're pretty much at each other's throat a lot to the point where every night we'd go to bed, we would end up in an argument almost every night. And the argument would always end with me leaving the bedroom and going down into that finished basement and sleeping down there. So usually I would put a fire in the fireplace put on a radio, try to relax, and bring myself back down. 
fall asleep to the crackle of the fireplace, laying on the couch, as it were, down there. Um, and every night I'd lay there and kind of think, you know, this isn't going well. <laughs> it's not exactly what I thought, but that's the appropriate thing to say. This isn't going well. I don't like this. I was very angry with her. She was very angry with me. But we never resolved anything. One night, so here we get to the good part, I guess. So one night, I'm laying there on the couch. And we had had our argument, and I had gone downstairs, and I couldn't sleep, and had a fire going. And I lay there thinking, you owe me an apology. I'm not going back up to bed tonight. I am not pretending this is all good and fine. I'm not kissing you goodbye tomorrow when I leave for work. I'm mad and I'm going to be mad. And I lay there for quite some time, a long time, maybe an hour, maybe a couple of hours. And I heard my wife get out of bed. I heard her get up. I heard her get out of bed. I heard her feet touched the floor. I heard her walk across the hardwood floors of our bedroom. I heard the sound of her feet change as it got onto the carpeting in the living room and back to the hardwood in the kitchen. I heard her coming down the steps. I heard her stop and continue and stop and continue. And I thought, I'm not going to greet her. I'm not, I was so angry. I was just so angry. I was not going to greet her. I wasn't going to turn on the light and say, oh, he came down to talk. But I was thinking to myself, ha ha, I knew she would cave in and come downstairs and we would talk this out. So I lay there and I actually pretended to be sleeping. I was facing the wall and I pretended to sleep. And I heard her walk across the basement floor. She walked right up to the bed. And it was a very long time of her standing next to the couch. I say bed, but couch. She's standing next to the couch. And I'm thinking, say something. Say something. Then I got thinking, no. She, now she knows I'm sleeping. She's going to turn around and go back upstairs. And this is never going to resolve itself. But I am not going to blink. I, will, I am not going to blink. I lay there for a while, and pretty soon she sat down on the edge of the couch. I felt the weight of her body sit on the side of the couch because my body moved a little bit toward it. And I stubbornly continued to stare at the wall and pretend to be sleeping in the dark for about five minutes. And then finally, because she didn't say anything, I blinked. And I rolled over. I was going to have my moment. Nobody was there. She wasn't there. Nobody was there. And she had not gone back upstairs. No time had lapsed. I did not fall asleep and then wake up and she was gone. I still felt the the indent, if you will, on the edge of the couch when I rolled over to face her. No one was there. Well, that'll scare the hell out of you. Yeah, I'd say. So... I actually ended up going upstairs because, <laughs> as silly as it sounds, it was a little too freaky to be in the basement <laughs> at that point. Alone. I'm so sure. I, yeah, so I went upstairs and she was sleeping. <laughs> now, I was fake sleeping, so perhaps she was fake sleeping, but I got in bed. She didn't move. She didn't acknowledge that. The next morning, I asked her about it. Excuse me, we talked about it. She claimed she did not come downstairs. If she had come downstairs, she made her way back upstairs without me knowing about it. If she came downstairs, she was remarkably believable when I came up to bed and that she was sleeping and she was remarkably believable the next day when she claims she never got out of bed. And in the end, probably within the next six months, she and I separated, I moved out, the rest is kind of history. Wow. Wow, man. So those are some experiences in that house, man. That 
uh, are unmistakable because like the first thing you said about the whole being pushed down the stairs. Now, did you fly all the way down the stairs when you were pushed? I was probably about five steps from the bottom and I stopped myself. I didn't actually wind up on the basement floor. I wound up more or less still standing, but on the last steps. In other words, I missed about three or four steps and landed on my feet. But I certainly had the sensation that it wasn't just slipping or tripping. I literally felt myself go forward, arms go out, catch the wall, stop self from falling, stop on the bottom step and think, what was that? I just had an interview with a guy recently that he described that his family members told him about how they were pushed downstairs. And uh, I find it fascinating when people tell me that they've felt somebody push them in any way, because the whole idea behind this, you know, the ghost or spirit, whatever it is, that they need a lot of energy to do anything in the physical realm and to push somebody seems like it would take a lot of energy. Um, what, what do you think about that? Do you think that, you know, you had some kind of spirit pushing you? Do you think it was maybe, I don't know, demonic? Uh, because I mean, you've had the other experiences and they all, before we, before you even answer that, I want, I want to point out that it seems like everything surrounds the basement. Have you ever connected that dot? It certainly, it seems like everything that occurred, occurred in the basement. We never had any occurrences or issues upstairs. None at all. Okay. Now, when you were in the basement and you saw the feet in the window, now I know kind of when you're talking about, it's like at eye level and, you know, it's just real short window for light. Uh, and those, those feet that were dangling and you said they were just gone. Did, did you actually see them like disappear? Like did they fade away or are they automatically like in a blink of an eye just gone? I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's more like there was a sense that they were there yet. When I think about it, I, in my mind's eye, I can see, I can see stocking feet and bare legs as if shorts or a, or a little dress or something. I can see stocking feet and bare legs and nothing more. I don't see a torso or an upper body. And it was not, it was, how I say this, it was not physical in that I actually thought that it was a human being sitting in my window well. I, you could look at it for that half a second that it occurred and, and know you're not looking at a physical being, yet it was there. And, and the word apparition comes to mind, but that almost cheapens it in a way. I don't, it, was, it wasn't just a thought. And this is the part about ghost stories that always makes them sound unbelievable. And this is why I find it hard to believe a lot of ghost stories. Because all once it starts to sound like you were dreaming or you were daydreaming or your mind got carried away. That is not the case. I had no reason to think that there would be children sitting in my windowsill. And there was nothing occurring that would have caused me to mistake them for being children sitting in my windowsill. And as I mentioned early, when we first started talking, there's nothing remarkable about this house. It's, it's not the Amityville house. It's not, there's nothing special about it. There's no reason to think that there's something haunting that house. But I know, I know that I truly saw two sets of children's legs in that window. So. Yeah. I mean, you, you know what you saw. And, uh, that's the thing that a lot of people, they come on the show and they're sharing what they saw. And it's like, it, it gets to the point. I imagine that it's like, you just really don't care, you know, who believes you or whatever. It's just like, listen, I know what I saw. This is what I saw. That's that, you know what I mean? Um, well, and that's, I'm sorry. Yeah. Excuse me. That's, <clears throat> excuse me. That's the crazy part, you know, you don't have to go too far to hear a ghost story or, you know, to hear somebody's oh, listen to somebody tell you about their dream or something. You don't have to go very far to hear that. And oftentimes I, I'm a bit of a cynic, I think, <laughs> but yet there's, I, 
there's a kernel of truth in some of these stories. And I'm telling you, there's a kernel of truth in my story. And I, I certainly do not mean to embellish it at all. I am in my mind and in my heart, I feel it the same way today as I did 25 years ago. No, I understand that totally. So let's just take a break right now. And when we come back, we will get back into it with Mark. And so, Mark, when you're in the basement and you're sleeping down there, were you creeped out at all knowing what you saw in the windowsill, knowing that you felt pushed? When you're laying down there trying to sleep, did that ever, you know, come across your mind while you're trying to go to bed? Oh, for sure. (laughs) Even when I wasn't trying to go to bed, that sometimes came across my mind. But there wasn't an alternative. It was a it was a two bedroom house, and my son had. I mentioned my son was about two. He had his bedroom, uh, and my thought was the basement is as far away from my problems as I can get. So, come hell or high water, I'm the basement is mine. Yeah. So whether I was, excuse me, whether I was a little nervous or apprehensive about being there didn't matter but it was the only place i could be and feel like i was standing my ground if you will sure i get, I get that and when you would you heard this what you thought was a person <laughs> turns out it probably wasn't when you heard it coming and you saw you know you felt it sit on the bed and all that stuff uh at what point did you feel like uh like, all right, so you, you roll over and you see that there's nobody there. Is that the moment that you felt like, okay, you just experienced uh, a haunting at length? I want to get out of here. Or did it take a little bit of time to sink into your head actually what just happened? I would say that it took a little bit of thinking, but that little bit of thinking happened in about three seconds. Like in my mind, I thought, what? Can't be. Did I fall asleep? No, I didn't. Oh my God. Oh, I'm out of here. I mean, it happens just like that. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> like, like my brain processed it ultra fast that I did I I, I did not fall asleep. And and I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there too that I was actually um, that was during a time when I was um, I was suffering a lot of insomnia, and I imagine it was related to all the things that were going on in my marriage and so on, but. Sleep was not something that came to me on a regular basis. So sleep was not something that really could have happened in an instant that I wouldn't know I was falling asleep. In other words, I could lie awake sleepless for days on end, nights on end. So to think that I, whoops, just fell asleep, it wasn't, sleep was not that easy for me to come by. It still isn't. Sleep certainly was not that easy to come by. But I would have just dozed off and woke up. I take that option off the table. Yeah, I mean, if if you're not sleeping, then obviously you know you know what you felt. Uh, I don't know. I just hearing your story and stuff. I keep thinking about how it kind of all surrounds the basement. And did, I don't know. Did you mention? I know you said there's nothing special about the house, but do you know the age of the house? Yeah, it was built in the mid '40s early to mid forties, World War II era. And uh, what I do know is that an insurance guy owned it, a local insurance guy built it like a local insurance agent. Um, I only know that because we found some documents in the house that related to that, some signage and stuff from this business. I know that the, the neighborhood itself was sort of at the, when the homes were built there, it was, it was sort of a suburb now it's surrounded by this larger town, but at the time it was sort of off the beaten path and, and, you know, 
one of the homes was built by a local judge. The house that we lived in had been built by this insurance agent. The one next door had been a surgeon or a doctor. So it was at one time sort of an upper middle class neighborhood. When we lived there, it was just a regular middle class neighborhood. So the homes were nice for the 40s and 50s, but they were just little cracker jack boxes, really, by the time we were living there. Yeah. So you're you're experiencing these things in the house. Is that the last thing that you experienced with the whole, uh, you know, haunting of while you're trying to sleep in the basement? Nothing else happened after that, right? That is it. That's that's the last of it. And and as I mentioned, it was shortly after that that my wife at the time, she and I separated and now divorced. Have been for you know, twenty years or so. Now. Did you talk to her about all these different things? Like, did you tell her that you were, you saw the feet dangling in the window? Did she ever have any comments toward this stuff? Yeah, I mean, mostly just skepticism. Just like, um, you know, can't be, must have been imagining it or something. You know, very, very stoic. And now that's probably all in your head. So I dropped it. Left it at that. Okay. So I guess nobody else, you know, experienced the stuff that you did. Um, now, with the things that you've experienced, what do you make of it? Like, what are your thoughts behind the whole idea of a spirit being in the house when you moved in? Um, I thought at the time I rationalized it. I rationalized it as a... a a sympathetic spirit. That's how I felt. I felt that I'm again, I have no basis for this. I, I don't have any history. We don't know that there was a family that had died in that house and tragedy. We don't know. There's no reason to think any of that happened. We, we, we didn't look for that, but we don't know that to be the case either. But in my heart, I think that was a sympathetic spirit being who wanted, who, who could understand my pain. My sense was it was a feminine entity. In other words, motherly, loving, who was coming to comfort me. Um, and beyond that, what, I mean, that maybe that's just a logical thought. That's what you, I mean, that's what would happen if someone felt bad for you, they'd come to sit with you. Now, that, let me be clear, I felt that being sit on the side of the bed, that being did not reach over and touch me, that being did not brush my hair or hug me or comfort me, touch my shoulder, that being sat there. As, and in 20 years of thinking about this from time to time, the thought that comes to mind is that the being didn't want me to know it was there, but felt compelled to be there. That being came there because she or it felt compelled or needed to, or wanted to come for me, but maybe wasn't allowed to reach out or wasn't allowed to, to touch me or didn't have the energy and capacity to reach out and touch. It had exuded all of its energy just getting there perhaps i don't know okay now based off of what you just said uh do you think that there might have been more than one entity in the house because if if one is sympathetic i have a hard time understanding why it would push you down the stairs if it's the same one i agree i also don't have the sensation that it was a child sitting on the edge of the bed or one of two children sitting on the edge of the bed. <laughs> was it one of those children sitting in the window that was being naughty and acting out like children can that pushed or gave me the sensation of being pushed? Was that a fourth being? I don't know. But I don't, I don't feel like what sat on the edge of my bed was a child or an angry thing. So I guess the answer to your question is either there was more than one or whatever it was had more than one attitude. Yeah. 
I can I could see that. Now, earlier you mentioned about how like, you know, you, you don't really know how you feel about all these different ghost stories and things like that. Uh, what what are your thoughts on the whole idea of ghosts and spirits and stuff like that? Like, I know we talked about it a little <laughs> bit earlier. So, um, you know, what what do you think about that stuff? I think that this cannot happen. This can't happen. So I'm a Christian, and so it. I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm a Christian, and so I believe, and if you read your Bible, and the, and the Bible is the inerrant word of God, there is a chasm between heaven and earth. We can't go there and just pop back here, and they can't be there and pop back down here. And I know, I know a lot of your listeners are going to say, oh, but my uncle is my guardian angel. I personally don't believe that. I don't buy that. Once your uncle's in heaven, he's staying there because it's a heck of a lot better than here. Why would he want to come back here if heaven is what we think it's going to be? So not only do I think if I get my chance to get to heaven, I ain't coming back here. I also think once you've gotten to heaven, you're not allowed to come back here. I can't allow myself to believe it was a ghost. And I've I don't know. You can play back this audio and tell if I said the word ghost, but I don't know that I said the word ghost because I'm I'm not convinced that it's a ghost. So in my world, it's either a it's in my world, it's an evil entity. It's, it's the devil. But why would the devil comfort me? That doesn't make any sense. I can see why the devil would push someone down the steps. Maybe I can see why the devil would pretend to be a child and kick kick their feet in a windowsill. But I, I suppose unless it's a grand deception, why would the devil care to comfort me? So recently it's occurred to me what stops it from having been an angel. Not the spirit of a dead person that once walked this earth, but a godly being called an angel, which is different than a spirit. That, which is different than your soul or mine, makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. It doesn't make sense. I, I, ha- I have some questions because, um, you know, I, I, you know, obviously I'm a Christian too, and I come from a, a very strong upbringing in as a Christian. Um, and for my, most of my life, I've been fascinated with paranormal things, and I didn't know how to, you know, make sense of it. Even though I was fascinated with it, I'm like you know, am I supposed to believe this stuff? Is this stuff real? What is it? And Correct. some of the things right. that I started looking at was, uh, for for one, I'll, and I'll ask you your take on this, uh, the disciples, when they're in the boat, they see Jesus walking on water and they called him a ghost. They said, it's a ghost. And obviously it wasn't a ghost. But the fact that the dis- disciples thought to identify Jesus walking on water as a ghost, uh, I take that as, well, the, if the Bible has, if if they said it's a ghost, but there are no such things as ghosts. I would expect the Bible to correct what they said to say something like they called it a ghost. Uh, then they were reminded that there are no such things as ghosts or something like that, you know, but the fact that the Bible, they didn't say that there are no such things as ghosts. It just says that they saw Jesus and they called him a ghost. Um, and then, you know, so what are your, what are your thoughts on that? You know, like, I'm just curious. Well, my my first thought is I'm not I don't know what the Hebrew translation of the word ghost is or what the uh, Jewish translation of the word ghost. And I sure. know I'm familiar with the term Holy Ghost, but I also hear that stated as Holy Spirit. So I I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it would be worth our time to understand what the word ghost, how that can be translated in in the language that the disciples may have been speaking. Your point's valid. If ghost is a ghost and ghost meant then what ghost means now, then I understand your point. But I always think back to the ter- to the story of Lazarus and the rich man without any name and, and, and how the chasm was opened so that Lazarus could see the rich man and the rich man could see Lazarus. Other than that, they weren't allowed to see one another. In other words, there's a divide there that 
can't, there's a curtain that we can't draw back and forth. That's my interpretation. It's my understanding. There's a curtain that you and I can't draw back and forth. It can be drawn back and forth, but not by your eye. Yeah, I I think you're you're onto it um, because I I don't think that I I this is the way I think I think that there there's a curtain that's not supposed to be pulled back, um, but I think the key thing for me is that it's not supposed to be, uh, and and in the Old Testament, uh, God instructs uh, people throughout the law, you know, like the Leviticus law and Deuteronomy, he instructs people at certain areas. Uh, to not be mediums or not be necromancers, uh, and not summons them. Right. Do not be summoning spirits. And and if God had to instruct His people to not do something, to me it says, okay, it's possible, but you're not supposed to be doing it. You know what I mean? Sounds like an sounds like a story about an apple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't, don't eat the apple, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, I mean, cause yeah, I, yeah, you're onto something. I hadn't thought of that, but you're absolutely right. He, he wouldn't have instructed us not to summon those things. On the other hand, here again, just, just kind of thinking of love here. Sure. Perhaps he was suggesting don't summons the evil one. Perhaps he wasn't suggesting that we could summon our dead cousin, but rather we could sub summons the evil one. Me. I don't, again, I'm not a Bible scholar, so I don't know what he, I don't know what those verses exactly are, sure, are me referring to, but man, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be anytime soon summoning any spirit. <laughs> I ain't taking that chance. <laughs> no, I totally get it. So let's just take a break right now. And when we come back, we'll keep talking with you, Mark. <laughs> stuff i just i really enjoy having these conversations with people and stuff especially people that are christians like myself because uh you know i i was raised in a small church and it's nobody's like direct fault or anything but i was just i really kind of was raised with this i i don't think anybody particularly said it to me but i just always felt like i'm just not supposed to touch this stuff i'm not supposed to talk about it i'm not supposed to look into it you know it's it's all evil don't touch it. Don't think about it. Just pretend it's not there. And for me as an Correct. adult, I look at it. I'm like, well, clearly it is there. Clearly people are experiencing things, whether they're Christian, Hindu or whatever, like people experience supernatural occurrences. And I can't, me personally, I cannot ignore that. And I, I just, I have to just, I'm not saying I'm looking into finding the answers because I don't think personally, I don't think I'm ever going to totally understand all this stuff. But I, I do think that it's it's worth my time to look at and try to understand and just hear people's stories and things like that. And, and kind of going back a little bit to what you said, um, I, I do want to remind you though, I do want to remind you that in 1 Samuel chapter 28, Saul did tell a witch to summon the spirit of the dead prophet Samuel uh, because he needed answers. And when, when the, in the Bible where it tells that story for all intents and purposes, that witch literally the medium literally did summon the spirit of Samuel uh, and Saul recognized the spirit as Samuel. Uh, so I, it kind of goes back to the whole idea of God directing us not to do certain things, even though it might be enticing to do so. And that's not just with summoning spirits, but that's a lot, you know, like there's a lot of things, instruction in the Bible. that's like, yeah, you can do this, but it's not always profitable. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Again, I'm not a Bible scholar. So, you know, don't take what I say with a grain of salt, but did he recognize it to truly be Samuel or a vision of Samuel? The way I read it, uh, and, and feel free to read it yourself, I believe it's uh, 1 Samuel 28, 
uh, I think it's verse seven through twenty something. Uh, you'll you'll read well, you that story. You already have more credibility than me because you can quote what scripture <laughs> well, it is. Well, it's because I look you, into it. You're so probably right. I I don't know, but I I, I know I'm vaguely familiar with what you're, what you're talking about. I've heard that. Sure. I've read that story before. But it seems to me, didn't this witch live in a place that was of terrible odor and stench and filth? I mean, wasn't this wasn't a witch herself sort of a dark entity? Sure, but I mean that's. I mean, that's, we're going way off. No, no, no. It's, we're we're talking. We're talking it, man. Uh, and, but that's the that's the point, though, right? That it, even though she, the witch, is maybe say the witch is a dark, evil person, right? It's still a person. It's still a human being doing things that it's not supposed to be doing, even though it has the ability right. to do right. Uh, and so I don't know. I, I find it interesting. Uh, and, and the only reason why I know this that scripture so well is because I, I look into this stuff, and that's you know one of my you know go to thoughts when I think about this stuff. Because in that story, when I read it, and anybody can feel free to go read it for themselves, but when I read it, yeah, I do. I yeah. hope everyone does. <laughs> sure. Uh, when I read it, though, I, I really like. I really feel like Saul saw the spirit of Samuel. He communicated with the spirit of Samuel, and for that. This any anywhere in those those scriptures, it doesn't give me any reason to believe that it wasn't the spirit of Samuel. And so there's like there's people that will you know take that and they'll say, okay, well God allowed it to happen just this one time, but every other time it's not real. Well, <laughs> you can't say that, you know, like like if it if it's possible, then it's possible. And if 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 somebody who supposedly is not a good person, not 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 in right standing with God as a witch does something they're not the only witch and ever exist in the history of the planet that was able to do something like that and so (laughs) you're absolutely right and i'm gonna back up just so everybody knows i did not summon this thing (laughs) this was not not my intention i was walking away from what was a very bad situation and 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 separating myself from it i was having perhaps evil thoughts or ill thoughts. And so maybe that's why and um, a dark thing happened to me, or perhaps it wasn't a dark thing. Perhaps it was a, perhaps it was a neutral thing, or perhaps there was an angel. And that's, I think that's a thought that I haven't sure. fully developed, but who is to stop that from being the case? How come every time we talk about, how come when we talk about these things, does it end up being, if it's not a ghost, then it's evil. How come sometimes it's not, if it's not a ghost, it's an angel. So right. oftentimes, you know, this is sort of another subject, but when people talk about having out-of-body experiences, so often they talk about going to the light and it was so much better and, and they saw all the people that they loved. And so why do you never hear anybody who says they went to hell and came back? Why is it always kind of one or the other? Why could this not have been a positive entity that is an angel? I guess I haven't fully developed that thought in my mind because it only recently came to me in the last few weeks. Literally in the last few weeks, it occurred to me, maybe this isn't a ghost story. Maybe it's an angel story. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah, no, that's absolutely possible. I think that's something that maybe is looked over a lot. And I don't know why. Maybe it's just a default kind of thing where... People just, you know, automatically think ghosts, evil spirits, things like that. But I mean, it, the Bible talks about angels coming to, too, right? I mean, the Bible talks about mm-hmm. how you could be in the presence of an angel and not know it. And that's why I think it was Paul instructing people to be kind to one another because you never know or be hospitable to one another because you never know when you're in the, in the presence of an angel. And uh, I think in, in, in the Old Testament, it talks about how um, angels came to a town and the town was so corrupt with immorality that the, the people in the town wanted to uh, have sexual relationships with the angel. And the, there was two mm-hmm. angels with, with the angels. So, like, I mean, clearly angels could be part of the uh, equation here uh, that kind of gets overlooked a lot. That's a very good point. And as a Christian, I certainly believe that there are angels. And I certainly believe that angels do assist us from time to time, whether we know it or not. I think there are, I 
this is my thought again, taking it with a grain of salt, but I think it's just as good a chance that it was a positive entity helping you. It, it's just as good of a chance that it was a positive entity that caused you to be late. And then five minutes later, you drive past an accident on the highway as it is an evil entity that visited you in the dream. I think there's just as much positive angelic um, influence in this world as there is an evil influence in this world. But for some reason, we seem to naturally drift toward the evil. No, you're you're absolutely right. We like horror movies. How often do people watch angel movies? People watch horror movies all the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) For some reason, we like to get the hell scared out of us, I guess. (laughs) Well, you know, I'll tell you what. I mean, what you just said reminded me of a story. uh, And and I believe this story to be true because my grandfather told it to me. And it was um, pretty much on his deathbed. Uh, When my grandfather was sick, he had cancer. He died from cancer. Uh, for about a week or two, he spent uh, his time in a hospital right in the same city I was working. I used to be a parking enforcement officer in Reading, Pennsylvania. Shout out to Reading. Uh, and he, I would, every night I would, after work, I would punch out and I'd go over to the hospital, the Reading Hospital, and I'd sit down and I'd talk with him and just kind of spend some time with him. It was really nice because I didn't get to spend a whole lot of time with him in his later years because, you know, I lived about an hour away and it was just kind of hard. Uh, anyways... We got to talking and he, my grandfather, I could like to call him, he was like a traveling evangelist. Uh, he, he was a blue collar worker guy. I think he did uh, washer and dryer repair. He did a lot of different things like that. Uh, but on weekends, he took every opportunity he could to go and preach at different places. A lot of big tent revival kind of things back in the 60s, 70s. And uh, he told me one story where they were not welcome in a town that they went to. A lot of the people were upset that they were there. And they came anyways, they set up, they did their thing. And there was a rumor going around that the the local guys of the town were going to come out and, you know, tear up the camp and all that stuff at night when once everything was over. And so when they found this out, they the, the guys decided to stay up overnight, hang out around, you know, the tent and their whole setup and just make sure nothing bad happened. And sure enough, in the middle of the night, there's like a car or two that comes down this driveway up towards where they're they're hanging out at and they get to a certain point and they just stop they they won't go any further and then the cars backed out and they left and then they came back a little bit later with more cars and they stopped at the same spot they idled they backed out and they left i think they came back a third time with more cars and they all just stopped in the same spot they idled and then they left and it's weird they didn't know what was going on but they figured, okay, the guys changed their mind. They didn't want to bother them. So the next day, some of the guys are in town, and they're just kind of getting bread and food and all that stuff for back at the uh, the camp. And it must have been like the talk of the town, my grandfather said, because it turns out those that night, those guys, they went there with every intent to tear apart the camp, do some serious damage, maybe even beat the guys up. I don't know. But as they were driving down the driveway every time they would see these angels standing in the field near the tent, just guarding the area. Now, my grandfather said they never saw anything like that, but the guys that were coming there to destroy the place saw it every time they came down the driveway. And that's why they kept on bringing more and more cars for people to see what they're seeing. And so it must've been like the talk of the town and, they didn't obviously they didn't ransack the place because they were too scared to go near these giant angels. They apparently were really tall angels. And uh, so, I mean, that's just another story of, you know, the, the, a case of entities being actual angels. And um, yeah, I, I find it really interesting. Maybe one day I'll actually play. I actually have that on audio recording. Uh, I, I thought enough to record some of the stories my grandfather shared with me, uh, some miraculous stories. The only problem is the audio quality is awful. So if I do play it on the show, people will have to just bear with me because it's just it, – I was done with a handheld recorder in a hospital with a lot of machines going and stuff like that. So, so be it. Let it – that's fantastic. How many people get to share those or listen to those kinds of stories, listen to their grandfather tell those kinds of stories years later? Yeah, I, I mean that would be just fantastic to hear. 
Well, maybe uh, maybe I'll play it on, on this show. I think that's what I'll do after we're done with the interview. I I'll, hope you will. I'll play it on the end of this show. I hope you'll consider it at least. Yeah, I think I will. I think I will because uh, I think I actually had it up on YouTube for a while and I took it down. And uh, I think maybe I'll put it up on this show since we're talking about it. I've been waiting for a good time yeah. to put it up. So uh, I'll put it up on this show. But uh, Mark, I really appreciate you coming on here, man, and sharing your experiences and stuff because, uh, you know, I, I find it fascinating. And whether you think it was a ghost, an angel or whatever, uh, it's just it's just good stuff to talk about. And, um, you know, obviously you put it behind you, you've moved on and stuff, but it's still I really appreciate you coming on and talking about it. Yeah, thanks for thanks for allowing me to. And just knowing that you and I were going to talk about this has caused me to think about it and it's allowed me to start to kind of kick around that idea that perhaps it wasn't a negative thing. Perhaps it was angelic. Perhaps it was a positive intervention. And so, yeah, it's uh, but the one thing I want to stress, I just, I'm going to say this again. Sometimes stories that can be awful hard to believe or, or you think, well, that's your perception. Well, uh, it's, as sure as I'm standing in this hotel room right now, those things happen to me. And there's no taking that back. So thanks for letting me tell it. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I'm really glad you came on. And I'm really glad I just got your wheels turning again, man. So uh, I really appreciate it. And like I always say to everybody, if you ever have anything else you'd want to share, just feel free to get a hold of me. We'll do that. Thank you very much. Have a All good right. night. You too. Bye. Well, that's the show, everybody. Like I said during the interview, I'm going to play some audio of my grandfather sharing some miraculous stories with me when he was on his deathbed in the hospital. I had a handheld recorder and I recorded some of his stories and I'm going to play it for you tonight. Just remember, the audio quality is not that great. We were in a hospital. There's nurses coming in. There's machines running. So you're not going to be able to hear it like you do hear my voice right now. But it is my grandfather sharing some miraculous things that he experienced and saw during his life in ministry. Hope you enjoy. Anyway, all of us that went up, all of the men that went up on the, on the bus that trip, we were all asked to come up front and lay hands on these people. And so we did. And you're standing there and you got your hands on somebody. You can't can't see or something is wrong with them. And you pray for them. And they turn around and walk away. And that malady or that sickness or whatever is gone. And people will say, oh, it's just a turn of your imagination. No, it's not. I saw it happen. It was these two hands that went on somebody's head and prayed, and that person walked away. Yeah. And once that happened, you're a different person. What I want to tell you is not brag, this is fact. When it comes to this stuff, I don't like how braggadocia doesn't belong there. We had gone up to this event, and during the, during that time, in that period of time, was a period of growth for Grammy Night. We used to go up to, uh, I used to go, but now and again, if we could get somebody to watch the kids, or maybe we'd take them along, we'd go up and uh, go up to the Higgins' farm, just outside of Neutropolis. Nice old couple. Really a nice little couple. They had this nice big old farmhouse. And Cy was a met Cy and Russ Rooks and uh, I can't remember some of the others. But those two were We went up there. Uh, we used to go up there. What was it? One Tuesday night of. Was it one Tuesday night of month or was it every other Tuesday night? I don't recall. But we used to go up there and like one or two Tuesdays, at least two Tuesdays a month. 
kids along, huh? or if we could get a babysitter, I mean, just know. And all the time, I'm still serving on the board. Okay, not, I haven't been elevated or anything else, but I'm still serving on the board. And we went up there one, two, I went up there one Tuesday night. Grammy had to stay home with kids for some reason or another. And I went up, and we'd sit, all of us would sit around in a, in a circle, you know, and we start talking about one thing and another, talk about the Lord. Next thing you know, we're, we're singing a couple songs. <clears throat> or maybe we pray for this or pray for that. And the fellow walked in, sat down alongside him. I can't recall who it was. I just, I just don't remember. It escapes me. But the guy came in, sat down alongside me. And he said, how you doing, Jack? I said, pretty good. He said, what'd you think of that trip? He said, well, he had a gun on. I said, what'd you think of that trip? I said, man, that was, that was awesome. He said, do you remember that one girl you prayed for up there? I said, Jesus, I really don't. I said, you pray for so many people, it's hard to single one out. So he tried to narrow it down. I said, oh, yeah. He said, I remember her. I said, she couldn't see very well. He said, yeah, he said, she was on the fly. I said, whatever happened to her? I said, did, did you, have you found anything out? Was she healed? He said, oh, yeah. He said, she got her sight back. Totally. He said, and she was also starting to lose her hearing. She got a hearing. And it rocks you back on your heels. And that's the way it went. Just, just our whole young lives, our whole young Christian lives was like that. And you could watch it happen. Why does God do it like that? I'll tell you why. Because I think he's trying to educate you or me or whoever. What's the greatest thing in the world that grabs your attention? America. Why is it so easy to believe? Because we all know that Jesus worked miracles. He was known for that. So he picks it, and then you start to ask, why me? And then it's like the Holy Spirit says, don't go there. Just enjoy the ride and learn. And you do. We went down to the camp. Another scenario. We, we used to go down to the camp every weekend we could over the cemetery. People down there didn't like that because they didn't like holy rollers holding their, their meetings, okay? But that's okay. We kept it up anyway. Every, every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, we'd have a prayer meeting up in the tent. There was an area up here. We had a big tent in the congregate, and uh, a couple of the kids played instruments, so we had our own music. And then down here, down in this section, is where they had some trailers parked, uh, campers and that kind of thing. Over here, there was uh, a pavilion that we eat at, you know, there a couple of grills there that make supper and all that stuff. And the people around didn't like it. So they were trying to get us out of the county or out of the community anyway. So one night, we heard that there was supposed to be some guys who were going to storm the place and make a mess of it. That didn't deter us any, you know. We were still going to have our meeting. So we went and had our meeting. We quit early. Start. We all sat in that pavilion. That's a fact. We all sat in that pavilion. And we're wondering, well, when are these clowns going to make their move? So you see these cars drive down, going to pull in, and they'd sit there and idle and idle and idle, and then they'd back off. Boy. Went on for a short period of time like that. Just didn't let it, didn't let it bother us. I think that was on, a, if I'm not mistaken, it was either on a Friday or Saturday night. Yeah, because the next morning we got together at park. That'd be on a Saturday night. It's just Sunday morning. We walked to church service. Afterwards, we, you, go, you go your own way, you know. Go back to the trailer or the camper that you were in, you know, whatever. And just 
enjoy the day. During the course of the day, people come over, you know, intermingle, and you're standing there, and you're looking at that person, that person's looking at you, and you're wondering, are they going to say what I'm going to say, or, you know, what? And then, all of a sudden, somebody will say, did you see what I saw last night? And they'll say, uh, well, I saw something, what did you see? And this is fact. Cars, not one, but sometimes two or three at a time, would come up and he'd come up to that entrance and they didn't go any further. They just stayed there. And then they'd turn around and go back. We never knew what the heck it was. Then later on, one of the people had gone into town for some one thing or another. And when he came back, this must have been to talk to a little town, I guess. This person happened to go into a store or whatever, buy gas or whatever. Anyway, this is what she told us. She said, you know that last night, there was no less than so many cars came out and they were going to invade the place. And we said, well, what happened? Well, they said that when they got there, they saw angels standing across the field. Wouldn't let nobody pass. And you stand there and you you listen to this and you regress over what happened the night before. And you think more and more it builds up your faith. Now you saw this here and you were on this trip and you saw that. Now you're down here and now someone tells you something all the other day. And that's what builds that's what builds up your faith. But you gotta how can I put this? You have to have the desire to explore that and say, okay, let's see if it's really real. Let's see if it really works. And when you do that and you put it to the test, it'll work every time. Every time. And the thing that helped me the most in my growth and, and grandma, in, her, in, in, our, in, their, in our Christian growth, is the fact that we were, we were surrounded by spirit-filled Christians who believed in that kind of thing. And they weren't ashamed of it. And they weren't afraid to take the step. And the thing you... The, one of the major things to do is to keep yourself surrounded with people like that. And don't only surround yourself with them, become some of them or one of them and become as strong as they are so that you can give somebody else the same benefit. Well, that's my grandfather, and hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to that. I love listening to his voice, so whenever I feel like I miss the guy, I just kind of pull those audio files out and I listen to him again. And uh, if you are interested in hearing the full 30-minute version of that, go to my Facebook page, facebook.com backslash TB Merkel, or you can look up Tony Merkel on Facebook. Uh, Friend request me, and you'll see that I posted a link there this morning with the full version of what all he had to say to me that day. I hope you guys have a great week. Take care, stay safe, and I'll see you right here next Saturday night on The Confessionals. (laughs) 